Hi, and welcome to the FVCC Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. We're coming to you from the beautiful campus of Flathead Valley Community College at the foot of the Swan Mountain Range in Northwest Montana. I'm John Fraley, longtime instructor in wildlife conservation here at the college, and I also served 40 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. In the Nature Journal, we'll focus on the critters and quirks of nature found on the campus, the wide surrounding Flathead Basin, and all across Montana and beyond. Our producer is Colin Burkhardt, an employee here at the FVCC Library. And thanks to Morgan Ray, the library director, for offering the library as our podcast home. And it's been great to have that. Now today we're going to be talking about the exciting Canada jay, a very ubiquitous bird. see it a lot in our northern boreal forest. And the scientific name is Parisarius canadensis. And it's also known as the gray jay, the camp robber, or whiskey jack. And a couple things about its name, Canada has adopted the Canada jay as their national bird. And recently, I think it was in 2018, the U.S. Ornithological Society said that the Canada jay is now the official common name. So not gray jay anymore, but Canada jay. And it's the national bird of Canada, although that's not absolutely official. So Canada jays live year-round on permanent territories in coniferous forests. That's why you see them a lot, in, even when you're up skiing in the high country and so on, in the winter. They, they're there all winter long. They live in those boreal forests, and they survive in winter months on food cached throughout their territory in the summer. And they especially thrive in spruce and lodgepole habitats. So think about that. They're caching food mm-hmm. in little plots all around. Isn't that interesting? I mean, that's something. Yeah, I mean, I've known that birds tend to go after different types of insects and sometimes other vegetation and whatnot. But these sorts of birds are pretty good at catching all sorts of things. Huh? Oh, they put the O in omnivorous. I'm telling you, they eat anything. And we'll be talking about that in a minute. So their diet is very, very omnivorous. That includes insects, eggs, and juveniles of other birds, believe it or not, berries, choke cherry in particular. Canada jay is what's called a scatter hoarder, and they cache thousands of food items during the summer for use the following winter. How do they remember where they put it all? I know I'd forget everything. And that enables them to be in the boreal and subalpine forest year-round because they couldn't find enough food in the winter up high. They have to have it cached. Up in the far, far Canadian north, they'd have a lot harder time finding anything, so they would have to store it somewhere. Right, and even here in our northern forest, I mean, there's it's a pretty sterile place up there in the winter, so it's it works that they're that hoarding, that scattered hoarding, works for them there. They also, believe it or not, can scavenge carcasses, so uh, so dead deer or elk or any other animal, they will scavenge as well. Mm-hmm. You know, similar to a crow, they're in the crow family. So gray jays form these monogamous pairs, mating pairs. They, they pair for, for life, and the pairs accompanied on their territories, believe it or not, by a juvenile from the previous season. So they keep one juvenile along. I guess it must be for training it, hmm. conditioning it, for being an adult, which is a very interesting way to raise a bird by another bird. It's one of the only bird species I've ever heard that has to actually train their young how to how to mate or how to court another yeah. of the of the species. And I'm just assuming that as that far that's... as birds go, I don't know how many others do that. Yeah, that's yeah, good question. I mean, there's lots of like Canada geese mate for life and so on, but I don't mm-hmm. know that they keep one of the juveniles around. So I don't know if that's the reason they keep it around, but it would seem logical that they're you know they're allowing it to to learn from them. Another interesting thing to all about them is that the males take the lead in locating and building the nest. Now, it's not a real fancy nest. It's up in like a a subalpine fir or something among the needles. But the males actually build it and choose it. Then the female, of course, lays the eggs and then incubates the eggs on that nest. Is that different from other bird species? I can't think of one that does that. I probably should be able to, but I can't. I can think of other species where the male is involved in rearing the young, but not where it builds the nest. Not that I can think of anyway. So the Canada jay is a fairly long songbird. It is considered a songbird. 
and it has pale gray underparts, almost blending to white, and then darker gray upper parts and a gray-white head with a black cap. And the legs and feet are black, and its plumage is thick, providing insulation in the bird's cold native habitat. And if you look at them, they look like a little puff ball, and they puff all up mm-hmm. so they can stay warm in and those they, tough, tough conditions. Go ahead. They look slightly different depending on where you go. So the Rocky Mountain gray jay is, or Canada jay is going to look a little bit different than, you know, further northern or maybe different parts of the west here or the northwest. No, I think you're right. If you look at some different pictures, there is some variation, especially like on the on the chest. Some of them are almost white, and then some of them are kind of a duller gray. And the, the juvenile is just kind of a dull gray all over. So they do vary a lot in their coloration. And it's the genus of the Periosaurus, uh, as we mentioned, is related most closely to the magpie. And a number of subspecies live in the Rockies and elsewhere. As we said, the length about a foot long. They weigh two to three ounces. They aren't going to weigh very much because no bird can weigh very much and still be a good flyer, right? So they're you know, designed to be light, but they, have a, they are you know, up to a foot long. So they're pretty good size. And like most members of the crow family, the male and female Canada jays are similar. It's hard to tell the male from the female. Very hard. Juveniles are, as I said, are very dark gray all over. So they're easy to pick out. And they molt in July or August and they get their adult plumage after that. They're going to have that dull coloration until they molt. Now the average lifespan of a Canada jay that has a territory is eight years. So that's a pretty old bird, hmm. especially for a songbird. That's, that's quite old. And the oldest known Canada jay that was banded and recaptured in the wild was 17 years old. Wow. That's in the wild too. So hmm. that's, that's a long time for a bird to live. It's considered a long time. All the predators they have to face and everything. Right. So anyway, when you talk about what they sound like, they mimic other birds and they can sound like a crow, I mean, there's just a very big variety of what they can sound like. If you if you look across the internet and look at, at the different recordings, when you think about it, you try to listen to one of them and you try to try to pick out all these little mimicking and whistled queo and various clicks, as you can hear, and chuckles. So they, they have this beautiful sound to them. It's really pretty neat. Yeah. And so... You kind of get used to that. I've interviewed rangers and looked at their log books, too. The Canada Jay kind of keeps you company when you're up in the high country in the winter. And they have these this whole cute series of calls. And the other thing is, when they spot a predator, they announce a series of harsh clicks to signal a threat on the ground or a series of repeated whistles to indicate a predator in the air. So they, they can discern between the two. And the predators can include raptors or birds of prey, owls, hawks, marten, and weasels. So they have a lot of predators to face when you think about it. So Canada jays do adapt to human activity in their territories, and they're best known by approaching humans for food for a handout. And that inspires the list of colloquial names, mm-hmm. lumberjack, camp robbers. And I've had them just kind of fly right over and land in a branch like right above my head, even in the wintertime when we're like having, eating lunch or something up in the high country. And they will sort of beg almost, and that's why they got that name. And I've interacted with many of them in the, in the mountains, just trapping or looking at track surveys for fish flying parks, and you, they are attracted to any activity and any, any smells. Again, that's that scavenging they have that they can get more food, even, even along with the food that they've cached. And they'll approach a camp, they'll look for handouts. Uh, like as I said, one ranger in Glacier National Park, Clyde Folly, talked about the gray jays keeping him company all winter in the lonely backcountry. And I know kind of what he means by that. So are these the kind of birds that will typically take any food if you have it left out unattended? Yeah, they will. And you more, know, More than most? More than most. Because that's how they make their living, a lot of it, is just getting food from yeah. other things, whether it's taking eggs out of a bird nest or scavenging a, a dead animal. or it just They're just, like I said, they put the O in omnivorous. They'll eat anything and do anything <laughs> they can to get food. There's a real neat 
legend, it's not really a legend, it's fact in Canada about how gray jays have provided food for people that are lost or lost trappers. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the Mad Trapper of Rat River in Canada, no. in the Northwest Territories and, and the Yukon. It's a fascinating story. Well, this trapper was, I guess, infringing on other people's trap lines. And so they called the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. So like a poacher. Yeah. Well, he, well, he was taking other people's traps. And they came out to where his cabin was. I mean, this is a long ways. And they came, they came out there on, I believe it was dog sled. And he wouldn't come to the door, wouldn't come to the door. And finally, he shot through the door and almost killed one of the mounted police. That turned into this big, long manhunt. 49 days. They hunted this guy. This guy was amazing. They, they hunted and chased him across the Yukon, Northwest Territories. Finally, they caught up with him with the aid of a, of a plane and had him isolated on a frozen river. And then they finally killed him. But when they examined his body... He had several gray jays stored away in pockets in his coat. He was living on gray jays for about almost two months. So, that's, that's, first of all, that's not a very uh, big variety in your food habits, but although it's kind of sickening, really, because mm. he probably ate them raw, mostly raw because, you know, he was chased and he couldn't have fire a lot of the time, and it was very cold. So that's one of the things that are sort of legendary in Canada. And then if you look at the Big Dipper, there's seven stars there. And some tribes, indigenous peoples, consider each of those stars a bird. Hmm. Well, there's one of those, Ursa Minor, one of those stars in, in Ursa Minor that is considered the gray jay or the Canada jay. So that's kind of neat. It's kind of held in, in trust there. And some of the tribes consider the gray jay as a very wise bird that's important in a number of cultures. And the appearance of the gray jay in the morning is a good omen. That's good to know. And it's chattering and whistles, an early warning to hunters of nearby predators. So there's even uh, Gwich'in guides in the Yukon who tell of gray jays singing from tree to tree to lead a lost and starving hunter home. Have you ever heard of that? No, that's a, an interesting story. I just saw a story of an owl doing that in our backcountry here in western Montana of this person who had gotten dark and he was in danger of freezing death and this owl kind of led him back to where his camp was because he couldn't see because there was so much fog or blizzard. Huh. So apparently the gray jay is, is known for that. So a great bird, you know, awesome bird, very, very attractive, I think. And if you're up in the high country, don't be surprised if you see one of these gray jays come flitting over and landing right above your head or maybe on your head. <laughs> There's pictures on the internet of them landing on people's heads and trying to get a little food. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of the Nature Journal. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fraley, and I'll see you next week.